0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to D-Pod. So uh, we're continuing in my, uh, my peer series uh, here. And today we have Vincent Hu calling him all the way from California. Hey, Vincent. Hello, DP. Nice. It's good. Hi, everyone. It's good to uh, have you. Vincent's actually, uh, I think he's like a faithful listener to D-Pod. So, you know, I yeah. just uh, I think he's very happy. He's smiling really big right now. and He's happy to be on here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> big fan, big fan.
0: So yeah, Vincent's you know one of my friends from college, and then we shared a unique experience in that we did grad school together too. So we did a, a master's in industrial engineering at the same time. So maybe we could still just start by sharing some memories that we have from those days. Yeah. I, I I have. I mean, I, a lot of my memories from grad school is just getting, like, getting a ride from you every day. I remember, because I didn't have a car and <laughs> yeah. you had a car. And so you, me, and David Jun, like, we would commute to Berkeley together because he was working in the lab there, right? And then a lot of mm-hmm. late nights, obviously, because we were both, uh, we were both, yep. like, GSIs, and which is uh, graduate student instructors while doing ministry while, like, <clears throat> being in school. I remember yep. we yep. stayed back from ministry outings sometimes and had to do homework yep. together. Oh sad. Yeah, but... it
1: was it was pretty clutch because <laughs> yeah. if I had to do that by myself, I think I would feel miserable and I probably wouldn't have gotten much studying done. <laughs> but having you around to commiserate together and study together that made it just a lot better. Yeah,
0: so basically I forced you to study with me. <laughs> That's what it comes down <laughs> <out> to.
1: <laughs> That's what, yeah. yeah. I think I needed that accountability.
0: Yeah. Nice. <laughs> And then there's that story. Oh, I don't know if you have any stories that you remember from those days.
1: One thing that comes to mind, I think, yeah, just kind of being kept accountable for studying. I, I actually had really bad study habits. I, I didn't really notice about myself because during high school, you have homework every day, the same class every day. So, you know, just daily you have that practice. And then over time I felt like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I do pretty well. But when I came to college, when you know you don't have the same class every day and you, homework is kind of up to you for some of these classes, so I don't actually do them as well. And so I, I remember in like maybe it was, I forgot I was sophomore junior year when we we're studying for some midterms together. I was kind of my usual self where I'm like trying to have fun. I don't know, like watch some YouTube video and just like joke around. And then you suddenly turn to me with this stern look and say. <laughs> I'm serious. You need to study. <laughs> and then I was like, what the, like <laughs> DP's so serious. <laughs> and then, but at the time I was like, deep down, I guess I knew that. Yeah, I should study. <laughs> and so I, so I just kind of stopped pulling around and I, <laughs> you know, started studying and then I think ever since then, we, I think we pretty much study for almost every midterm finals together. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and my GPA consequently went up a lot. So yeah, that was very helpful. Oh,
0: nice. Why well, I, I actually yeah. don't remember that, but I can totally imagine myself doing that though. I mean, I probably, <laughs> I probably still do that, like in my ministry now.
1: <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't doubt it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's just built into my into who I am. That's, I have this very clear memory of, of Vincent actually when we graduated from grad school. You you know we, you ca- you signed up to go to Cambodia, and I was sort of on the fence. I was like ah like. You know, I was actually I wasn't gonna go I didn't sign up and then I remember like a spot opened up or someone dropped out So then a spot opened up and so then you were like Mm. telling me about it and and like hey like you should go And I was like oh like and I I think I was worried about finances then, you know Because like it was like, you know, right My financial aid was kind of running out and then you know We were gonna start work for a couple months So then I remember bringing that up and you said something like when did like money ever prevent us from like serving God or something (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh (laughs) I felt so like pierced by that. I don't even know if you like remember that, but
1: that was... Yeah, a... I don't actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, that... I totally don't. I don't think that's very characteristic. No, it wasn't. That's,
0: that's what was so shocking. It was like a it, Holy Spirit moment or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the Holy Spirit. It wasn't yeah. me. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that that was I mean, probably if... life-changing for me actually because that mission trip was really influential <laughs> for me. So
1: I see. Maybe I just happened to be at that same spot. If it's someone else at that same spot, like the spirit would have worked on that person, yeah. <laughs>
0: so yeah, yeah, yeah. The spirit gave yeah. words word to speak.
1: So. If I were really like mature and spiritual like that, I think I would have offered to pay for your trip and, <laughs> and then said, "Hey, you know, when when, when will we let finance stop, you know, from like stepping out of oh, here, yeah. I'll pay for you. Let's go."
0: Oh, that would have been like super. Yeah, that would have been super. <laughs> poem what we call poem like very like memorable. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: That's funny. So why don't we just maybe just tell us a little bit just about yourself for listeners like you know where are you living now tell us about your family and then like what ministry you're serving in and where you work
1: sure sure so i'm part of our berkeley church here in alameda california at the headquarter so i recently got married in actually january this year <laughs> it was a very joyous occasion very joyous occasion uh, mm-hmm. not just because not just because of the <laughs> wedding but I also got to see all of you guys flying yeah. from all over the place. I remember Suzanne was commenting how this was a, a church-wide event. I know. <laughs> Should have put it on the church-wide calendar or something. I know. So
0: many people were awaiting uh, your wedding, dude. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely very thankful, just kind of seeing God's faithfulness over the years. And I mean, again, not just in the in the marriage, but also just in the peer relationships mm-hmm. and all the relationship of the mentors and, and all of that. So I'm currently yeah serving in Kaleo. It's a it's a group to reach out to coworkers, young working professionals in the Bay Area. And actually before I got married, I was serving at our San Jose Church, San Jose Church plant for a year and a half. And while I was there, I had the privilege to start some kind of a ad hoc life group with a lot of postgrads who used to check out our church, but they moved into they moved to the Silicon Valley area for work but they are very open. They wanted to continue to check out and see God and learn more. And so-, so a lot um, of these people are to...
0: not Christian, right? They're-
1: Yeah, some of, yeah. actually all of them were not Christian, but ever since then, two of them have made decisions wow. yeah. to become Christian. And so I was really thankful for that experience. It's just that privilege that I get to have. So now I'm, I'm here doing Kaleo and try to reach out to different you know, people in similar situations, but also brand new people who, you know, maybe have some experience in church growing up but you know they for some reason left and then now they have a second chance to check out church again. and then
0: and then wh- what are you doing for a living right now like where you working
1: yeah so i'm currently working at linkedin as a data scientist nice and i work in the trust org and so the trust Org is basically the org that deals anything everything anti-abuse scam and fraud on linkedin
0: so yeah, we'll we'll talk about Kaleo later and we'll definitely talk about what it's like to work in Silicon Valley because you've pretty much been there all you know, your whole career. So yeah. but before we get there, we have to talk about something really important, which is your your superpower, your <laughs> your your ability to order for large groups at Chinese restaurants. <laughs> before I ask you questions about that, I have this memory of you uh-huh. um I don't know if you remember this either, but th- th- this is in grad school. We were on our way to our church building in Alameda for some event. And I think we left from Berkeley. We had like 45 minutes or something, you know, and it's like over like an hour maybe, but it's like a 40, 40 minute drive. So then, you know, we didn't have much time, but then we're like, oh, okay, like, let's just get fast food. But you were like, hey, let's go eat at the Ark. Like this Chinese restaurant and the arc is not super Mm -hmm. fast you know like because they make like hand pulled noodles and like you Mm -hmm. know I'm like there's no way like come on Vincent there's no way we're going to be able to make it in time but then you were like Mm -hmm. oh no it's okay like don't worry about it and then you like as we were driving you like called them and you said something in Mm -hmm. Chinese that obviously I don't understand (laughs) and then when we got there they had like a table laid out with food for us already and then we ate like we just ate in like 10 minutes and then like paid and then left do you remember that (laughs)
1: no <laughs>
0: yeah so anyway yeah i was from then on i was very impressed by your ability to handle chinese restaurants i mean obviously you're chinese but i've never seen any other chinese person do that what's so what's your secret
1: <laughs> well i guess secret is first of all you gotta you gotta be a chinese person <laughs> I, I guess you don't have to be a chinese person but you, you need to be you need to speak chinese and you need to i guess just maybe communicate in a way that is polite but assertive so so that these restaurant owners they they will feel bad declining your request but because you know you're so nice and so they feel bad turning you down and so they kind of have to do kind of what you ask them to do uh, but you know if you give them a good tip afterwards and you go again next time mm. and then you bring more people then you know you kind of become become like like a very welcoming customer. <laughs> for
0: That's them. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I have here yeah. in my notes uh, that Vincent's special at Sichuan style. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> what is that?
1: The, the Vincent's special. So yeah, so I I never came up with that name. It's just like Sichuan style. It's a Sichuan restaurant that mm-hmm. is north of Berkeley. It's actually pretty good in terms of quality. I'll definitely say like top top tier citron style restaurant in the bay area and i think i started going maybe a few years after graduation just usually with like our church groups or you know here and there and then um i think at one point i just realized that hey if i come here so often i should try to get to uh, know the owner so maybe you know he can give us a little bit more or give us some free, I don't know, dessert, you know, some kind of perks, right? Right, So I start to get to know him. Of course, we spoke in Chinese. And then over time, as we go there more, like the the set of dishes becomes more and more refined to the point where like he kind of just knew what I would order for what kind of size and what type of crowd. And also part of it is a lot of my friends would ask me to order for them before they went, even though I'm not going. And so I'll call them ahead of time and tell them, hey, I have a friend coming, party of 10, let's order this. And then sometimes we will discuss what would be good for these type of crowd. And he will recommend, I will say yes, no, go back and forth. And eventually we kind of settle on these like set of dishes. So... I guess I would say we kind of came up with that together. Yeah, that's so that's interesting. why he's able to kind of just translate. Oh, okay, it's Vincent's group, so they probably want to
0: So what? What is like? So what? What would be like the the best order you've ever done, and then what's like the biggest fail that you've ever had?
1: <laughs> okay, the best order. Okay, so it's 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 hard to measure because, you know, it's like I mentioned earlier, the set of dishes are already pretty defined. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, like, I guess the way I judge will be from the reaction. Hmm. And and so far, the best reaction I've I've gotten regarding the dishes I order for was the rehearsal dinner before Tim and Lydia's wedding. Tim Choi, our peer in Oh, really? um, Or oh. Queens now, yeah. And so uh, Tim just asked me, "Hey, can you order for us? Like, you know, <laughs> they they like everything, but also kind of order slightly like fancier because there's like families, right? Like, right. like, like Tim's family and whatnot. So I just I did the same thing, I called, discussed with the her person and then came up with the menu. And then Tim came up to me after and said, dude, they love that meal. They absolutely love that meal. They still talk about this meal years later. Like, that's great. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I would say that's probably maybe the best. Uh, the worst, oh, this I still remember. That was one of my greatest fails <laughs> in my career of ordering Chinese food for a large crowd. I remember it was, it was a team joy day. So I, when I was doing freshman ministry in 2018 with Pastor Daniel and Sarah, and and then we wanted to have a team joy day to go to Santa Cruz. And then Pastor Daniel and Sarah say, hey, Vincent, can you find a Chinese restaurant for us in Mountain View on the way back? And I was like, oh yeah, sure, Mountain View. There must be plenty of, you know, options. So I looked into it. I found these Again, Sichuan restaurant, and then I again did the same thing: called the owner and try to come up the menu. And then I think we have like fifty plus people, but the food was really, really mediocre. Hmm. Like, like, like the food that the person recommended was just—I remember it was just bad. Like, like they didn't look good; they didn't taste that great. They were really slow. Service was really bad, and so, but. It, it was also really pricey. It was about like 1.5 times the like citron style or something. Oh, so wow. yeah. I remember feeling, man, that's, that's so bad. Like that, that's, that's, because you know, I, I, I can tell some people are not really enjoying it. Yeah, Some yeah, people yeah. are waiting for a long time for like this one thing they wanted to add, which I guess like a tangent here is if you, if, if you order for a group and then you see someone asking to add a dish, to me that's like a fail because whatever oh, you ordered yeah, yeah. didn't quite Oh, interesting item. yeah yeah and then what is something else right yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so like i think people were trying to do that and on top of that it was really expensive so yeah that was that Dang. was a fail
0: i know it's hard when you're like in charge you know you're in charge of that and then you see people not enjoying themselves then you feel personally responsible yeah. for
1: that so <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. i'm sure people didn't that was that was yeah
0: people who were listening to this episode didn't think we'd be talking about chinese food for so long so to make their time (laughs) worth it now you have to tell us a lesson what's what's like a life lesson or ministry lesson that you can learn from from your years of ordering chinese food
1: yeah i I think a lesson here is you just do what you can to love and encourage those around you and then and then whatever skills you're going to end up getting will come as a result. Because yeah. I never set out to be like, oh, I'm going to be this great, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this go-to guy to order Chinese at Sichuan Chinese <laughs> restaurants for large groups. I mean, that wasn't like a goal I set out you yeah. know, or identity I wanted to claim. It's just because I did it a couple of times and maybe there's a cultural association, you know, I'm, I'm like a foodie too. So yeah. so I, I, I have some understanding that's, I, I think, a little better than, than the average person at our church and then, I was I was given the opportunity, and then you you just did it, and then you try to refine it, you try to improve it, with the goal of really kind of giving people a good time, and then over time you kind of you know like just solidify some skill set. <laughs> and I guess in this case it's very specific, but uh, it's something that you know it's as trivial as it sounds. I'm 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 proud to talk about because it brings people joy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bring bring people together. Oh man, it brings uh, a lot of so, joy,
0: dude. Yeah. Yo, I yeah. just I just need to tell you I, I had a really good time at your wedding banquet the Chinese <laughs> food there was also great so
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear actually what yeah. what you know when I was when when we were planning for the banquet I told my wife or fiance at the time you know I don't really care how it looks but my number one goal for our banquet is people have a good time from eating good food Yeah <laughs> that's yeah that's what I want
0: that's <laughs> great. And I, I think I think there's a yeah. cer- certain sort of other centeredness that you need to have, you know, when you're ordering for that many people. So, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So maybe we can kind of talk a little bit about, you know, so everyone who I have on, we talk about their faith journey a little bit. So do you, can you maybe talk a little bit about, like, what was your spiritual background coming into college? And how did you get introduced to our church when you came into college?
1: Sure, Yeah. So I grew up in China and then I moved to Singapore when I was nine, lived there for six years before I moved to LA for high school. Until then I have no church experience or any kind of exposure. In fact my, my biggest church exposure was I would always jump kind of jump over a fence to into a church basketball court to play basketball there. I was so lazy that I wouldn't even want to walk an extra block to walk in through the front door. I would just kind of cl- climb through their fence <laughs> and then after i'm done i'll climb the fence to get out again so that was my greatest association with church until <laughs> high school uh and then yeah uh, in in high school i was in la and then i was uh, kind of introduced by a family friend to start attending a church just because the friendly friend told my parents that in america high school is a very tumultuous and dangerous time if, if you're a kid don't doesn't go to church you know he might Got pulled into gangs and like violence and all, like, all these scary stuff. Hmm. So, my parents got really scared, like, okay, you're going to church. And so that's how I started going to church. And then eventually I started to just know the people there. I, we became good friends. But I really had no understanding of what Christianity really is. There's hmm. no sense of like personal relationship with God. To me, it was just, oh, these people are nice and they're, we generally try to be nice to each other and this is my social group. And that was good enough for me. I didn't really care whether this whole thing is true or not. Mm. But what it did for me was I really wanted to look for a church coming to college because I wanted to replicate that experience. Just having a group of friends to, to hang out with and d- don't do anything too crazy, yeah. And then so when I came to Cal, I remember that first night, what I really wanted to do after, immediately after I dropped off on my stub, is to check out a basketball court. Mm. I'm really into basketball, I love to play. I wanted to go out there and kind of test it out, you know, to, to see where I rank among, you know, like people there. And then it was that night I ran I ran into a lot of our church staff and some other seniors and we played, we had a good time. And I distinctively remember that they were actually really good, but they're not cocky. in high school, you know, when you play, if you're good, you don't really talk to the people the the team you just beat you know you're you know like they they should come to you mm. if anything so i remember that was very different and i remember joe who had an iphone at the time because he worked at apple so, oh wow that's really cool and then he asked for my number and i was like kind of flattered was, oh wow he's asking for my number okay sure and then he like even took a picture of me for like profile photo because at the time smartphone wasn't too like like prominent yet right Right, and then saving a profile picture for someone is even less common of a thing so i remember that was oh kind of a very new special experience all that is to say it left a good impression on me and so later on i was invited to check out more events along with my high school friend and so i went and then you know like after a while i I just decided to stick around Hmm. Uh, because one one main reason was because at the time, I was a self-professing Christian, but I saw that, you know, the way that these staff, they're living their lives is very different and very joyful. And I just knew that if I wanted to take my faith seriously, I need to learn from them. Hmm. And even though their life can seem really busy, but I, deep down, I knew that, oh, this is what I should do because I call myself a Christian. So I decided to stick around and just kind of almost see it as, oh, yeah, I will join this AP prep course because I know eventually it's going to be better for me. Yeah. So that's how I kind of stick around. But I think that was really crucial because I think I was so, I wasn't a very reflective person at all. I didn't really know what's really going on inside my heart. A lot of my decisions were driven by just emotions, desires and just seeking fun pleasure. And so I think God knew that I needed to attend church regularly over a period of time to slowly gain a sense of like who I am, self-awareness yeah. all of that back and I, and I think I knew I needed a lot of feedback from other people. So it wasn't until junior year when some like, different things happened that really I was cornered into a place where I I had to struggle between giving Jesus lordship over mm. my life versus kind of just doing doing what I want to do yeah and I think that's the crux of kind of my salvation testimony actually but a long story short i had a very vivid and and emotionally a clear encounter with the word of god at where wow. i was pierced to the heart and i was actually a little scared because i felt like god's really trying to warn me you know to not be wise in my own eye yeah. and to trust in him but but right after I, that encounter with the word of god it was at a prayer meeting i also had another encounter of the opposite emotional dynamic where it's Matthew 11, right? Jesus really calling, calling me to go to him with my burdens. And the reason why I feel so bur- heavy burden laden is because I wanted many things for myself. And so mm-hmm. I kind of corner myself into this place in life where I just didn't quite know what to do. Uh, and so, yeah, so with those two kind of a one-two punch, that's, that's when I finally surrender and give lordship of my life over to Jesus. And then after that, it's just a lot of I think sanctification, uh, like a continual restoration of my self awareness, knowing what's really going on inside. A lot of character issues, and a lot of that worked out. God had to work out through ministry and living with people and different ups and downs, just you know, senior all the way to all the way till now.
0: Yeah, yeah, just that whole process of sanctification. Like, so could you tell us maybe like as you think about that decision that you made junior year of college and, and, and to the rest of college, right? What was like a spiritual high point and then a spiritual low point? Like, just as you, as you think about, cause you know, we all, we all, after we make that decision to follow Jesus, there's yeah. times where man, like, you know, Jesus takes us to the top of the mountain and it's, it's really special. Yes. And, and then there's the times where we, we're just like dragging our feet and it's really hard. Right, but there's things to learn from both. So I don't know if those, yeah. something comes to mind for you.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. So I think in terms of spiritual high that came around senior year, I think that's when we all moved into Dana House. Yeah, yeah, You know, I, I was kind of at this place where, hey, I, I want to like serve Jesus. I, you know, I, I kind of surrender and well, this is what my life is going to be about. And I, I remember, you know, started to do some outreach to like the freshman class that year, which. I think that's the class of twenty right? fourteen, right? Like yeah. mm-hmm. And then I think school was getting harder because senior year I remember we had like the capstone project and all of that. But somehow I, I re, my my main memory from that period of time, especially that first semester senior year, was a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was joyful coming home to Dana House. It was joyful hanging out with peers. It was exciting reaching out to freshmen and try to do DT with some of them. It was exciting doing course one on one with two freshmen at the time and it was and then we were also pl- I was also in like three IMs and then <laughs> it was, that was also really fun and then I, I don't know why I don't know how but I had my best grades that semester <laughs> I had I, I had all A's except one A minus I was like man wow, being, Christian, dude. Is awesome. being <laughs> Christian is awesome being <laughs> Christian is awesome dude <laughs> at the time I thought oh, man, this is this is so awesome but so funny and the highlight <laughs> came at the end of that first semester when I went to Taiwan for a mission trip uh. and and you know, it, it was, it was you know, like Taiwan. Though, so they, they really needed people who speak Chinese, and so I spoke Chinese. So I was asked to kind of do like skits and also be on my panel. And and so I, I I guess I mean like I'm I'm kind of like narcissistic in that way. So you know, when, when I was given a lot of attention, that feels very exciting as well. But but just kind of being out there and laboring together and. I think someone actually became Christian on that trip. I mean, not, not, not someone that I was trying to reach out to, mm-hmm. but kind of one of the students who was kind of checking out our group and just through that whole like a Christmas host like program, they, they, they became Christian. And I just remember, Oh, wow. This is the life that I want to live to live on mission and to, you know, see God changing people and to see myself being used in, you know, these kind of kingdom minded ways and all the same time do it like doing it with everyone else together so that that was that was a high for me Mm. i think for a spiritual for a spiritual low Mm. okay i think another train is coming so
0: okay we can pause all right it seems like the train's gone while we were waiting for the train i I was just showing vincent this picture that brandon chen from chicago sent me today which has well and alex from chicago but also has vincent in it from that taiwan mission trip so maybe i'll put this in the show notes but anyways you were you were about to talk about the low point after college maybe yeah, yeah. yeah
1: Yeah. So, so the low point came, I think it was, I'll say a year and a half after we graduated. So hmm. around like winter time, 2012, uh, this is after we graduated from undergrad yeah. so, or like six months after we graduated from grad school. I think, I think how, I think kind of just what happened was it actually happened pretty suddenly. I just, I just suddenly one day I woke up, I feeling kind of depressed. And I didn't quite know what to make of it. And then as I kind of lived my day, I just kind of have this kind of, I don't know, just that sense of feeling depressed, kind of anxious, like building up kind of in my gut almost. Hmm. And then just, yeah, just like nothing seemed very exciting. And then showing up to kind of helping out. I I remember that day where we're supposed to help out to like, I think do some like dumpster run or something, you know, in then like the intro. And so that whole day I was just, feeling, man, really heavy hearted. And so that was the beginning of, I think later on, I kind of see, yeah, it's just like when the, when the novelty of ministry and when kind of, you know, like for so long we're in school. And so like, there's always that goal of graduating that kind of, I guess, keep, keep me interested. Right. And then until you graduated, I wasn't quite sure what's motivating me more is the like Christian life or or kind of like hitting that goal of graduation. Uh, yeah. I guess kind of giving me that sense of motivation to do things. And then, and then, you know, I, I, by then I already worked for like three four months. So the newness of Google has died down for sure. So I think just a lot of different things kind of coalesce into this uh, feeling. Yeah, like there's nothing more to look forward to. Hmm. And I've experienced all the excitement that I, I wanted. And I think looking back, I realized, yeah, that's the time when maybe there is that initial jump start, that initial high or people call it like the honeymoon phase of, you know, after you became a believer. But at one point, a lot of the newness will fade and your true conviction gets revealed. And that's when you can actually start working more on to see, okay, where I lag, where I need to build my, like, build my foundations more. And so, yeah, I remember, yeah, at the time it was very disorienting because I didn't quite know what is going on. And I thought, oh, maybe it's because I didn't confess certain things that happened in the past. I should confess. I remember going into this confession, like, like tour where I, I sought out my previous leaders and tell them, hey, there's something that happened I didn't tell you before. Hmm. And then, I mean, that that, I wouldn't say that's like completely like a miss, but it didn't like solve the whole thing either. Right. I think it did something, but, but yeah, I I think eventually it's it's though like now looking back, it's just a time for me to really like my foundation wasn't very deep and I needed to build more. And a lot of it is my identity as a sinner and how, you know, how, how is the gospel personal to me at that level? And, um, and then, you know, just through through different things happening at the time, I like, and, and I think it took like a few years for me to slowly kind of gain that very palpable and real sense of, Oh man, I, before God, I'm a sinner. And, You know the only thing like like there's nothing i can ask for uh, except for mercy and grace and kind of experiencing that i mean not just through just the spiritual experience but also through my different mentors at the time concretely showing me god's grace Hmm. and kind of slowly built me back up yeah
0: yeah yeah, I always ask people about low points, too, because, you know, it's not fun to talk about, I guess, and we could like skip over it. But then I, I find that like it was often through those low points that we like you were talking about, like our identity in Christ mm-hmm. got more secure. And like when you were sharing like the, the, the a passage that came to me is like in Luke 10, when uh, Jesus sends the 72 out to mm-hmm. uh, like a little short term <clears throat> mission trip and then they come back and they're so yeah, excited. Yeah. Right. They're full yeah. of joy, right? Because e- they're like, even the demons are subject to us, like in your name, right? <laughs> and it's like so awesome. They yeah. saw Satan fall. And then like yeah. Jesus celebrates with them. But then he says, don't rejoice in this though. Like rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so it, it, yeah. it's, there's that dynamic. It's sort of like when, when all the like exciting things in Christian life, like, you know, you start ministry and, you know, I, I'm thinking about some of our, you know, recent grads here in Chicago too, right? I mean, it's going to be exciting for them to like join us post-grads and experience some mm-hmm. stuff, but then, you know, we've all been through that where the excitement goes down and then y- yeah. you have to learn to get your joy from your your identity rooted in Jesus who died for you. And, 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 yeah. and oh yeah, and oh, there's no, kind of no easy way to do that, I guess. We all had, went, had to go through that struggle, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sooner or later, I think, If you're serious about it, you have to go through
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, you have to go through it. Yeah. And it's not always like, you know, it it, it looks different for every person, which is why I ask about it. So, yeah. So so since then, you know, you've been part of a lot of different ministries, but I guess just to fast forward, like right now you're part of Kaleo. So you mentioned that earlier. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about like, so what does Kaleo mean? So that's obviously a Greek word. And then what is like the mission or what's different about Kaleo ministry compared to our other ministries?
1: Okay. This is where... Maybe you may have to cut out a little bit because I'm actually not sure what kaleo really means. It's, it's either the send one or the invite one.
0: What I what I thought it meant was like, it's like to call. It's like, it's like the invi- oh, yeah. yeah yeah. It's like, it's like it's related to clasis. So the the root is related to klesis. So we have that Ooh. fellowship where it means invitation. But then kaleo oh, okay, okay. is
1: I think the verb. Form. It means to. It means to call, to call the loud, utter in a loud voice, to invite to invite, invite yes, yeah, yeah, so I,
0: I think it's the verb um, oh, sure. conjugation so <laughs> nice hey putting okay, can, we, can we redo putting, that putting you now? to the test there no I'm just gonna keep this whole thing alright yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's okay <laughs> people will know that it's, it's okay to you know yeah yeah, yeah no,
0: no. no I think it's, it's fine right. to keep it we don't know we just gotta yeah. learn <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I was like oh what does it mean no yeah so it means yeah it means invitation or to <laughs> invite like it's like you know I like it because it's kind invite, of yeah. it's kind of active yeah yeah and it kind of sounds like call you know it's like call so anyway. So, <laughs> what's different? Like, what is different about this ministry? Like, what is its mission?
1: Mm. So, actually, this is it's, it's pretty nice timing. Yesterday, we just had a farewell for Hashir and Amy, who's been at with Kaleo for the past five years. Oh, wow! So they've been there since the since the start. There were like two. They're the family members of Kaleo. Along with Wilson and Becky. So it's kinda like the phone clan. And and just Um, to
0: just to insert here, like Patrick is actually one of he's a twenty fifteen. So he's peers with like Ben and Stefan and Agape. And actually Ben has they've actually talked about him before. He's the one that Ben invited to a trip, but then Ben didn't come on the trip. And so Patrick's like, Where's (laughs) Ben? And Ben's like, Oh, I'm not I'm visiting home right now. So it's that Patrick, yeah. So anyways, yeah.
1: Patrick told that story many times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, and we'll set a farewell for Ashton, who is one of the first converts through Kaleo.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Uh,
1: Yeah, Uh, so it was very meaningful for all of us. We had a chance to hear a little bit of their journey. So when Kaleo first started, it was actually really just a way for the 2015 bros, for them to reach out to their coworkers. Because I, I think probably it was Noah who kind of actually started to invite people to Camden and kind of organize different events. And then through that, several of his peers really wanted to do that more. And then, you know, just with different kind of needs and people's availability, we decided to start a group there to really tackle this area of, you know, have a group where people's co-workers can, can come and hear about the gospel. But over the years, I think it just became like, Anyone, right? Anyone who's interested to hear about the gospel, mm-hmm. whether that's neighbor or some, you know, contact back in college days, or your coworker, or your, you know, just anyone. And one funny thing that they always say is that initially they got ghosted so much because for a lot of these people, you know, they're they're not students anymore; they're all right. working, so there's a lot going on in their life, and so you know they may not respond to you for months just because you know they're busy. And, but from our end, it just felt like you're getting ghosted after a very kind of a pleasant or nice meeting or whatnot. So they said they should rename the ministry group from Kaleo to Ghostbusters. Because <laughs> 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 yeah, we wanted to claim those people back. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so, 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 so so that's how it started. And now I think we are trying different things. We, I think we, we, we wanted to do something in SF and really looking into affinity groups for example, one of our, our younger bro in Kaleo, he's currently going to PT school in SF. He has a lot of classmates and, you know, they all really like him. They all want to hang out with him. So we thought, hey, maybe that's one entry point where we can, you know, through him, really minister to his classmates and, you know, whoever's interested can come out to our events. Or, we, you know, we, we still just personally connect with our coworkers and try to reach out to them or neighbors. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I think... So, you know, I'll just input my commentary on like why, why I think this ministry is important because like we're a church who we, we're pretty focused, you know, and I think there's a lot of like power and benefit to being so focused in our outreach methods. So like, you know, when we planted here, we're not we're not actually going for the general population. Right. Like we're going specifically for, you know, you Chicago college students. Right. Like and and then we have an international ministry that's very focused on like international students. And and, and so then we can really kind of target a, a certain demographic. But then the downside to that has been it's been hard or we haven't had a space where we can invite people like coworkers or, or neighbors and things like that. And so I'm really thankful that like Kaleo ministry in a larger church like Berkeley, you know, there's like a subset of people who are focusing on developing pathways for people to be mm-hmm. able to not, not only hear the gospel, but actually become members of our church through that pathway. And so it's really encouraging to see, yeah. you know, guys like Ashton who, you know, came in through mm-hmm. not our college ministry, but through Kaleo and yeah. then actually became members and yeah. are kind of thriving, contributing members of our, our church now.
1: And actually what, one surprising thing about that I personally experienced having done Kaleo ministry, actually my like my my conviction about college ministry being the most strategic ministry out there actually grew deeper because mm, I experienced how difficult it is to try to kind of move somebody spiritually after they started working. Yeah. I think there is a small window of openness, maybe six months to a year after somebody started working especially as an international student or former international student, you feel lonely and challenging and whatnot. But for a lot of people who, you know, like once you're past that window and once you're kind of set in your career in what you wanted to do with your life, especially if they set some goals or bought a house, yeah, it's really hard to kind of, it's really hard to get them to kind of like see things differently or, or let alone like live a little bit differently. And so to me, it just kind of reinforced the conviction that oh man college is the best time and we need to go right whether whether you're in joyland you, we all need to minister to college students.
0: i totally agree with you about the the college ministry being so strategic i think i i've sort of appreciated that more and more over the years after talking to a lot of different pastors and ministers as well and so mm-hmm. like within college ministry we talk about how it's been really hard like it's getting increasingly difficult but i i I mean, even if it's difficult, I still think it, it is the strategic place to try to save people and get them excited about Jesus being Lord over their lives, you know, so that they can yeah, follow, like, we can multiply, like we can get them excited early so that for the rest of their lives, like yeah. their trajectory is set in the right direction. And yeah. when you were sharing, like, it, you know, I was thinking about like the parable of the wedding banquet where God's trying to like invite these people, but then, you know, they have like, they bought an ox or they got married. And so then like, they can't come to the party. Right. So it's sort of like that. Like, yeah. and I, I mean, I think you, you must feel that a lot more than I do so you know for a college student it's all theoretical like I want a house in the future or something but they don't have it yet so yeah (laughs) it's kind of interesting so okay I'm just gonna shift to our last topic here sounds good maybe you can so I want to talk about your your experience for the past 12 years or I guess 11 years in Silicon Valley could you just name drop for us all the companies you've worked for so that people can be impressed by you (laughs) I mean, not to, just just to give people a sense for, you know, you actually know what you're talking about when it comes to working in Silicon Valley.
1: Actually, I don't know. Like, you know, some of these companies, if I name drop people, I might lose credibility. Oh yeah,
0: that's true. I don't know. Maybe.
1: (laughs) Okay. So my my first internship was with Cisco. And then after that, I got an internship at Google. And then after that, I got a full-time offer. I worked at Google as a data scientist for five and a half years. And then I moved to this, at, back then, an up-and-coming startup company called Wish and doing e-commerce. And I was there for four and a half years doing data science. Later on, became a manager. And then most recently, about a year and a half ago, I moved from Wish to LinkedIn, still doing data science. So yeah, so one thing that's been fortunate for me is I never had to pivot into another like domain or something. I always kind of, you know, I, I think I, are at the time, was kind of the precursor to this up and coming field called data science. So, I didn't really have to like go back to school or like go to a book camp to basically jump on that trend and to do related work.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so what I want to ask you about is like <clears throat> so you you've worked at all the, a lot of these companies and you've worked in a you in a field now for the, like the past decade that like people would you know kill to be in and but then it's it's, it's interesting cuz when i ask people to introduce themselves like on deep pod like they don't really talk about their jobs like i usually have to ask a follow up question like oh so where do you work again like cuz they're talking about the ministry right and so so yeah, like yeah. your identity as a minister was growing and being developed throughout that time and then uh, and then at the same time like there's this huge reality of your working life and as a tech worker mm-hmm. so uh, but i'm sure that those came into conflict and or there were some like there's some tension between those two could you maybe talk yeah. about like just something that comes to mind with regards to that? Like, were there any struggles and how to balance that?
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I think I think early on when I first started at Google, you know, a lot of us were living in Alameda at the time. And we had to commute down to, um, or at least for me, you know, I had to commute down to Mountain View. At the time, tra- traffic wasn't as crazy. So on a good day, you get there in 45 minutes. It's not not bad at all. But just even after a few years, the commute increased from uh, you know like from like to like an hour to like hour thirty. And like around the time when I was about to leave, it was around like hour forty five each way. Wow. So one a lot of the early days struggle is just how much time I have to spend on the commute. And and of course with that, sometimes I'll be like, oh man, I wish I worked closer so that I can be more available and flexible for ministry. But there are other days where I felt like, man, I wish I just live around here. Like so many of my other coworkers, they they stay, they come early, go to the gym, work out, eat breakfast, stay at work, and then stay until dinner time, <laughs> eat dinner, and then, I don't know, play basketball. <laughs> and it's all and free, right?
0: Free, delicious yeah. meals.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all free. And now I was like, man, I really want to do that. I kind of want to work. You know, they have my trainers. I can, you know, like get buff or something. <laughs> I can play in these am like sports, like basketball. You know, these are all like former nerds. Like, you know, not like I can definitely beat a lot of them. you know. <laughs> yeah. So there, there, there's a lot of these kind of like personal preference things that that I really would love to, but not able to because I chose to live in Alameda closer to the church. So for that one, though, I I, I don't think I like actively had to like reflect on it or to like really struggle with it. It was just like, uh, it's, it's kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. But I think what helped was really just this, you're part of the ministry and there's a greater reality there. So it didn't take much for me to, to just shake out of it. Hmm. Yeah, to, you know, okay, I got to get on this shuttle and I got to just go. Uh, and once I'm back, you know, when, once it passes like a uh, new work or something, I felt like my heart also went from more kind of wanting to be in the world to like, okay, it's back to the spiritual <laughs> work kind of a zone now. Yeah. Yeah, so so that was early on, that was kind of the flavor of this kind of a conflict but later on, it's just a more serious one I remember was when I was at Wish. And you know, at the time, I, I kind of sort of in a way downgraded the company, but for a bigger role where I can experience just more aspects of the business and just gain more experience that way. And I, I, I vividly remember during a meeting after I presented some ideas about, hey, this is how we can improve and cut down costs and make things more optimized. But it was very well received. And I just remember a feeling, oh man, like, like there's a, there's a rush of, I want to invest in this. I want to pour into this and really build something for myself, Mm. make a name for myself. I can see myself working hard on these projects. And if I kind of work extra hard, I can make some things happen and, you know, get that big race, get the promotion and kind of gain, like a personal worth within the company and really kind of move up the ranks that way. Yeah. And, and also like the, the wish office was located at the time on the top floor of one sense building, which is it's like the 41st floor. So I remember looking out into from the 41st floor, you get this <laughs> sweeping view of SF and then the bay. Right. And yeah. And I, I remember it, it's actually, it actually grips. Yeah. Um, your heart. Yeah. yeah. It was like, oh man, like you want to do this.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 I want it because I think before I always felt like, oh man, like I don't really know anything. I was this kind of recent grad, new guy. What can I do? I just follow orders. But it was when I felt like, oh, I know what to do and I can do something. And it's there for the taking for me. Yeah. And I think once again, I had to just think back to, you know, what, what is, what is reality? What is really true? And one of my life verses is from John six. This is after verse sixty, where you know after Jesus fed the five thousand, and those crowd came to him wanting to, wanting more. They they, they wanted a long term deal for more bread, free bread. <laughs> and then Jesus kind of really kind of said this cryptic thing about you got to eat my flesh, drink yeah. my blood. And then there's all, this is a hard you know like they all they all left. And then his other disciples who follow Jesus, but not the twelve, they 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 understood what Jesus was referring to that he was speaking symbolically. But then they also realized this is a hard saying because. Like, I guess he's not into the whole military conqueror kind of a thing. Mm. And so they also decided to leave. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you going to leave also? And then Peter's response was, you know, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to know that you're the holy one of God. Mm. And that's something I came back. I had to come back to and just realize, yeah, like to whom shall I go? I mean, I can go to this career companies and, maybe i think that's where our life is maybe i'll experience some sort of life through the accomplishments but then that's not eternal life and yeah. that's very temporary and that will eventually all burn and at the end of the day it's it's really jesus and salvation because the impact there is eternal and therefore it's just by default greater than anything else hmm. in this world but you know it it wasn't like oh like my heart was completely flipped it was just it was enough for me to not kind of dwell on the tempting thoughts of trying to make my, make a name for myself yeah, and to just continue to be faithful towards ministry.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing yeah. that. Can, let me press into that a little bit more because, you know, like, you know, so you know, I interviewed Dan Kinder right before this episode and we talked about how it's really important to be like a good worker at work and, you know, how, how like, you know, that's that's a matter of integrity and things like that. So there's that aspect to work. But like kind of what you're describing, like, why, why, why were you concerned about that? Like spirit from a spiritual perspective, because on on the one hand, I could see myself painting that as like, well, I mean, you know, like I should just do a good job at work. Right. But I think w- yep. maybe what was yep. happening in your heart was beyond just doing a good job at work. Right. And so could you maybe yep. try to, I don't know, like describe that a little bit more? Like why, why was that troubling, troubling to you and something you had to think about?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, I think for me, this is because I, I, I'm more of a, I'm, I'm a huge like F, like I'm very like feeling oriented. Like in the Myers Briggs, so to me,
0: like a yeah yeah, 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 yeah,
1: Yep, exactly. And so knowing myself, I know that if my heart is moved, then that is actually a very that, like, like the magnitude is actually pretty pretty up there. Because hmm. for me, it's 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 not frequent that my heart moves. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't stop me from moving towards what I should do, but in order for my heart to move, that it actually takes quite a lot. And so, and I know that if I kind of follow its course, it's going to be hard for me to rein myself back with just intellectual agreement mm-hmm. or understanding. So for me at that moment, I noticed that my heart was kind of tucked. It was, mm-hmm. it was moved. And so I know that, okay, if I continue to pursue this I'm not quite sure if, if if I'm able to like yeah it's just I don't want to test it you know yeah. like, I'm I mean I, it's not guaranteed that for sure I'll fall for the world but it's it's a guard I guess it's a guardrail for myself that I rather not cross yeah and I know that it and, and at that point it's not so much of a matter of doing a good job like I, I think I can do a good job without getting my heart so like tugged yeah and so yeah. you know so if if it means that i have to not perform as 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 exceedingly well as 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 i can hmm. in order to keep my heart at a level where hey you know this like just 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 calm down you know if this is just like a job right to kind of keep at like a like a like a level headed that that's something that i was willing to do
0: yeah 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 yeah. So, man, I, I, so it reminded me actually of a similar decision that I, I made when I was at Salesforce. I remember this other team within Salesforce contacted me and like we had like a little lunch meeting and, and they were trying to recruit me to their team and i remember
1: is that the guy who let the resource the capacity planning yeah i think so like the server yeah i think so yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah,
0: yes i remember and i remember i had a similar experience with my heart like i I sensed my heart really wanting it like Mm. because what it would have what it would have meant for me is that my salary would have gone up a lot because this is a much more prestigious team than where i was working at the time within salesforce so And and I remember being disturbed by it again, not not because it's like evil to take this job, but because I know I knew that career and money it was and had been and continued to be a struggle for me. And when I sensed my heart getting so like suddenly obsessed with this opportunity, I felt really bothered by it. And I remember we had like a Dana house, like this is the brothers' house that we all lived in when I was a post grad. Like we had like a house dinner or something in some sharing and prayer time where I. I think I I brought it up. It was sort of my like this was my way to just share and just get it out there because it was something I had been thinking about and tell and just like tell people, hey, I'm not going to go after this because I really was disturbed by like how my heart was moving. So, yeah, sometimes you just got to, I guess, make those kinds of decisions to protect your heart. So. Yeah. yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. Maybe just, like, what's what's one way in which you've seen, like, ministry and your work overlap? Like, so, are there things you learn in ministry that are helpful in work and then, or, or vice versa? Like, things that you've developed in work that have helped you in ministry?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it really got both ways for me. So, I actually wasn't a very good worker, just like how I wasn't a very good students <laughs> so like early on i was kind of like the, oh, i'll just you know do what i'm told i don't care what i do and and then and then i'm gonna you know use whatever time i have to just do ministry i don't want to make career idol kind of like mm-hmm. like the like, very like an like, overly simplistic
0: way to think about it yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly overly simplistic yeah. and then th- that eventually resulted actually in kind of a poor performance mm-hmm. and it was like a, after a series of like kind of management changes. So I was kind of put in this role that I wasn't a good fit for. I was given a chance by my former boss to follow him to a new team, to Google Cloud when it was first starting. But I was like, I, but he told me it's going to be, feel like a startup because it's busy. I'm like, ah, no, I don't want to go there. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be busy. I was just, I'd rather stay, do something I don't like so that I can, you know, keep the current kind of way of things. But then I was not. I was very bad at it because that role requires a lot of planning and communication, which I really wasn't good at. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of led to some like performance issues. And then, and it's then also so that whole episode of trying to recover from that and learn from that and humbly receive that feedback from from your manager who is a worldly guy versus your a church mentor, you know, it it, it, was kind of hard, but I'm really thankful for my church mentor, Dave, who at the time, Mm. because he himself was a senior engineering manager. So he gave me a lot of these, like, Hey, look, you know, like if, if I were your manager, I would do the same thing just because, you know, like I have my responsibilities, you, you know, you, you need to deliver some stuff. So, so, so that period of my life, what happened at work and the standard they expected at work really helped me to just, learn how to like get on top of things mm. and to communicate better and to not like procrastinate. Cause you know, I, like, at, at church with ministry there, there's, there's always grace, right. And you, you, you know, and sometimes like, things change last in way. So like sometimes my procrastination work in my favor, cause oh, I don't mind changes <laughs> cause I haven't started working on it anyways. And, yeah. So, 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 so early on, it was kind of my work helped me to become a better worker at ministry context as well. But then later on, as I, you know, start to kind of take on more responsibilities at ministry, especially like ministering to people and then like meetings some life groups and also like planning events. And those helped me actually to be a lot more organized and to be more like other center in terms of thinking what people want Hmm. and kind of like plan things realistically. So later on, as I took on more responsibilities for ministry, learning how to plan events and you know like lead life groups and uh, mentor to guys yeah I, I think those gave me a lot more kind of insights into just human dynamics and how to do things in a way that lower barriers and to make it easier for people and so yeah like what are, like later on at work when I kind of like increase in work responsibility when I when I have to actually organize some things, together to kind of, you know, maybe whether that is like like a, a boot camp for new hires or to plan some initiatives across mul- multiple quarters hmm. or to even like coach some junior data scientists, like what I learned in ministry all directly helped me to be much better at doing those. I remember like that one year that I was the manager at Wish, near the end when I was about to leave, one of the person who report to me said that, I guess we're just kind of saying, oh, yeah, I'm about to leave a while. And, you know, he kind of thanked me for kind of being his manager and he really appreciated, you know, whatever I did for him. But one, one thing he said was that, oh, you know, for me, I'm still here and doing these projects. Not not so much because you, like, sell it so well or plan it so well. It's because I wanted to do it because I don't want to fail you. Mm-hmm. So, so to me, I guess it's like he's saying, yeah, I'm not that great of a manager in terms of, like, kind of inspiring people. But because I was really... I guess he felt like i i, I really i like, treated him really well mm. and so he's doing this because he doesn't want to disappoint me It's so. funny like, oh okay like i guess yeah <laughs> yeah which made me realize that yeah i don't think i should be a manager at work <laughs> i want to be able to drive things forward as well but yeah maybe i can be a mentor
0: <laughs> that's funny yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah that's cool so yeah maybe just to wrap things up as you think about the last 12 years so it's been 12 years since we graduated from college at least like what's something that you're thankful for just as you kind of think about your life and and then what's what's something that maybe you have any regrets about or you know Mm. you know i you know i'm I'm sure there's lots of decisions that we regret over the years but like is there's anything that that comes to mind that would serve as wisdom for people so yeah thankful and then regret
1: yeah i think something i'm Something I'm really thankful for is this past twelve years. Oh man, there's there's a lot, but I, I guess if if I were to kind of narrow it down to one thing, I mean, of course, like God got full salvation. Of course, that's a given. But I think it's really the culture of our church to take the word of God seriously hmm. to the point of like we need to live that out. Like hmm. until you live that out, it's all talk and it's not really like I guess real. Like and so that culture. Where everyone's in it, and there's accountability, and there is mutual kind of love for one another to to see each other live out that way. I think that really has helped me to hang on to God, to see a future that I probably wouldn't have been able to envision for myself, Hmm. and to just like spur me on, and you know, to making whatever decisions that I need to make in order to you know stay on the narrow path, right, mm. of, of following Jesus, especially in the midst of kind of working here, living here in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I think without our church, without the culture, and yeah, to really just kind of push me back to the word of God again and again and again, and the examples that I get to see, and the people who kind of give me their trust that allow, allow me to minister to them, and, and through which I learned and grew. Uh, without these whole kind of environment, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would still be you know, like, like Christian, you know, maybe maybe I'll just be at at most a very nominal because I, am I'm, I'm I'm very much like a calibrate myself to whoever's around me kind of guy. Mm, So, you know, yeah, just chances are I I probably wouldn't be very, very much like serving or or anything like that if, if it weren't for our church. So that's definitely one thing I'm like really thankful for. Mm. One thing, one of my regret, I think one of my biggest regret thus far is not taking taking more steps of faith. And particularly, I remember it was, I think, year four at Google. At the time, I was with Google Fiber. I, I don't know if you guys still like re- remember, but at the time, Fiber was still considered as like a, like a bet, you know, like kind of like a venture project. And then I was there for like a year until leadership decided that this bet is no longer working out in Google's favor. So they're going to do massive layoffs. So I was uh, included in that layoff. I never thought I would get laid off from Google because, you know, like Google never run out of money, like, at least at that point. And mm. so, but because it was Google, the like the severance package and everything was really good. And it turns out that I, I didn't have to work for nine months and and still get paid. Like, wow. Ooh. And so, but, you know, at the time, I, I kind of theoretically know, oh, maybe I should really use this chance to, I don't know, just serve God full-time or something. You know, mm. maybe go on a church plan or maybe yeah, like do yeah. something crazy. And, you know, because I... Tons of people do that without financial guarantee, mm. but I have like all, you know, I, I have the money. I, I, I could do it, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't do it. Couldn't, yeah. I, yeah. I, I,
0: In that moment, yeah, you have to make I, that decision. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I, yeah. I, you know, I, I still ended up looking for roles because at the time, they gave us, uh, I think 60 days to look for another role internally. And if we get it, then we, you know, we, we'll just, our role would just continue. Mm. We'll, but if you didn't find anything within 60 days, you take the severance and then, you, and then I have like I'll you know, four months so I guess I really wanted to stay at Google at the time not gonna lie right mm. it, it kind of sounds good yeah. on your resume and I, I was just like oh let me just see what I can get and then as the day gets closer I start to feel more and more kind of anxious oh hmm. I actually do want to stay I don't want to <laughs> <like laughs> just have like a yeah but then looking back I really I really regretted that because yeah. because I think even if I didn't get to go back to Google I think I would have found a job Eventually right. and things would have been fine, but what I could have gained would be this testimony and also experience of serving God, you know, without having to worry about job mm. and, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe God can, you know, get to work on a lot of these other areas in my heart sooner or something. Yeah. So that was one of my regrets. Why like not taking that step of faith?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, I, you know, I think about like whenever we hear stories of, we never hear like someone who like did something or took a step of faith for God and then tell a story about how they regret it. That it's usually the other way around. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. but Hey, in some ways, yeah. maybe that's a lesson, like learned the hard way in some ways. And you know, like recently I've been, I've been thinking about how like a lot of the people that God uses throughout like the old Testament, like, you know, a lot of times like they don't get used until they're like 60, you know, it's like something. And then I, I recently learned that Tim Keller didn't start writing books until he was like 59 or something. Like, oh really? yeah. So he, so, so then he had like a lifetime of ministries experience and then he's pumped out all those books and like, you know, yeah, in a, prolific. <laughs> yeah, in like 13 years or something, you know, and he passed away recently. Mm. So yeah. So uh, yeah. So yeah. that just gave me perspective that even like, you know, we're still, as far as I'm concerned, we're still young, like, and we, we still <laughs> got like, you know, a lot of things that God wants to show us. So it's, yeah, it's neat to be able to kind of reflect on yeah. our decisions. So last question okay last question is this any word of advice that you have for like undergrads listening to this you know the younger you know gp postgrads who listen to this what just word of advice would you want to give them
1: yeah i feel like feel like there's a lot but i also don't want to come off too simplistic yeah hmm, what would i okay so I, I will say first and foremost hold on to people hold on to especially the people who brought the gospel to you and kind of loved you and, and, and kind of brought you, I like, kind of show you a viable way of living Christian life. Hmm. Right. Like hold on to those people, regardless of what you're feeling or experiencing in your life. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Some, yeah, I think it's because as I think back to my own story, a lot of the ups and downs that I, that I experienced, whether that is temptation at work or kind of character issue or all of that, like I, I am where I am today because just simply because I kind of held on to people and then they kind of help to speak sense, perspective and, you know, peace into me. And so I think I'll say yeah, holding on to people is really a big thing. because sometimes, I don't know, depending on what kind of personality you are and what you're going through, you may not want to tell people. Mm. You may not want to tell people until like this last minute, or you may not want to tell people at all, but you're robbing yourself of a lot of blessing and a lot of perspective, a lot of wisdom, Mm. you know, if if you kind of just try to resolve it on your own or something.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think what our world is struggling with right now is a lot of isolation. So it makes sense to like hold on to people and, people help remind you who you are. And and in our case, you know, we have to be reminded of the gospel and that we're, you know, precious sons and daughters of God. And often God uses people to, to bring us back to that. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you don't have enough faith on your own, you need to crowdsource that from, from the community. Yeah. And I think by default, (laughs) most of us don't have enough faith on our own. For sure. And and we need need to,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks Vincent for your time. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, second conversation in my peer series. Um, I personally just enjoyed uh, catching up with my friends through these conversations. So um, it's been nice for me. But uh, yeah, if you have any uh, other ideas or feedback about what would help you in these, uh, just let me know. All right. See you next time.